0: Anyway, 58KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. I'm Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And today we welcome one of our regular guests, a man who is here to talk about what makes faith great. We welcome back St. Peter of St. Peter's Hook and Crook.
1: Oh, good to talk to you again, Gary. Uh, But say, before we get on to the subject matter of great faith, there's something important I want to tell you about.
0: Oh, what's that, Peter?
1: Well, you know, in a previous episode, I commented on your excellent skills at looking up things in the Bible.
0: Oh, I don't know. I'm no better at that than any other well-trained Bible scholar would be. Oh, you're
1: far too humble, Gary. Why, why seemingly, you can find Bible passages instantly. It's just a shame you can't put that skill to use in, in some kind of competition.
0: Uh, unfortunately, though, as I said before, there's no Bible-looking-things-up event in the Olympics.
1: But maybe not in Tokyo, but there may be something here in the States. Really? What do you mean? Well, I I saw it advertised on TV. Uh, Apparently, next month in New York, they're having the U.S. Open. Huh? I'm sure you'd be a champ in that tournament. You're better at opening
0: the Bible than anyone I know. Peter, that's the U.S. Open. It's a tennis championship. It's only for people who play tennis.
1: Well, that sounds like discrimination, if you ask me. Everyone should be allowed to compete in a Bible contest. Furthermore, what do tennis players know about opening the Bible anyway? Peter,
0: Peter, I know it's called the U.S. Open, but it's not about people opening their Bible. It's a sporting tournament. and in, in this case, it's a competition for tennis players. So now, Peter, maybe we'd better just open up our Bibles and get on with the subject of great faith.
1: Well, Well, whatever you say, Gary.
0: Jesus called you a man of little faith that day when you sank in the Sea of Galilee. Later, however, he called the Canaanite mother who prayed for her daughter's health, a a woman of great faith. When we last talked, we were discussing why Jesus made this distinction.
1: Uh, Right. As we said, both of us had faith and that we both called upon Jesus.
0: Not only called upon him, but you both called him Lord.
1: Uh, Correct, sir. Uh, The word Lord implying that Jesus had the power and authority to help us in our present dilemmas.
0: However, her prayer was much nicer than yours, Peter. I was speculating maybe that's why Jesus said she had greater faith, because she had a greater prayer.
1: uh, You're right, Gary. Her prayer was much better than mine. But I don't think that's why Jesus said she had the the greater faith. Let's put your Bible opening skills to the test, okay? Uh, Read the prayer of this Canaanite woman. It's in Matthew 15, verse 22.
0: Okay, Okay, let me open my Bible. Okay, Matthew 15, 22. I've got it right here. Uh, see? Yeah, I I know you're so
1: fast. That's amazing, Gary.
0: (laughs) And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon.
1: You see, she didn't just address Jesus as Lord like I did, but she called him something even better. She called him Lord, Son of
0: David. And why is that title significant, Peter?
1: Well, Son of David is an important title in the Bible. You see, the Son of David is the special deliverer that God promised to send in the Old Testament. Well, as far as back as as Adam and Eve, God had said he would send someone to crush the head of the devil. That someone came to be known as the Son of David.
0: So this is another term for Christ or Messiah?
1: Yes, precisely, Gary. Indeed, when Jesus began his ministry of teaching and miracles, the the crowds wondered, is this the son of
0: David? And apparently at the end of his ministry, that's what they had come to believe. I I remember when Jesus came to Jerusalem on uh, Palm Sunday and the crowd shouted, Hosanna, son of David.
1: That they did, Gary.
0: Thus, her prayer really was a lot better than yours. She called Jesus by his official Old Testament title.
1: Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let's be fair here, though, Gary. I might not have called Jesus that in my prayer, but I certainly believe that about him. Well, then why didn't you say it? Well, I didn't think I really needed to. You got your Bible open, then read verse 24 there in Matthew.
0: Okay. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel.
1: Ah, yes. You see, a Canaanite woman, a a, a Gentile, a foreigner, she would think she might have to butter up Jesus with fancy titles like Son of David. But not me. I was one of the house of Israel, born and raised an Israelite.
0: And you're not just any Israelite. You were one of the followers of Jesus the Messiah.
1: Oh, more than just a follower. I was one of the chosen twelve. I was one of the men he had handpicked to be his apostle. And you know what
0: the word apostle means, don't you? Oh, no. What is the significance of the word apostle?
1: An apostle is one who legally shares in the authority and power of his Lord. Oh, I knew he was the son of David, all right. That went without saying, and I looked forward to the day when Jesus would establish the great kingdom of David, the new kingdom of Israel, and I fully expected to be his right-hand man in this new kingdom.
0: Okay, I I can see why you didn't need to call Jesus son of David. As a member of the chosen house of Israel, that would have been understood, but I'm not sure why you didn't pray the other things she prayed.
1: Well, Well, what was that?
0: Lord, have mercy on me.
1: Oh, you got me there, Gary. That I should have done. In fact, now we're finally getting on to what really makes for great faith.
0: So what does crying out for mercy have to do with great faith?
1: Well, you know what it means to ask for mercy, don't you, Gary?
0: Sure, it means to ask for what you don't deserve. When the criminal throws himself on the mercy of the court, he's asking the judge to give him less of a punishment than he should get.
1: Exactly. Mercy is not what you deserve, but what you don't deserve. Well, what does this
0: have to do with great faith?
1: You see, this this Canaanite woman literally deserved nothing from Jesus. Uh, You know who the
0: Canaanites were, don't you, Gary? As I recall, they were the traditional enemies of the house of Israel.
1: Oh, enemies indeed. They fought tooth and nail to keep the Israelites from living in the land God had promised them. It's interesting that this woman mentions the name of King David. For King David was the one who finally defeated the Canaanites, ending forever their very existence as a nation. So you see, as a Canaanite, she'd better call out for mercy, because if Jesus gave her what she deserved, why, by her and her daughter would have been slain right then and there, even as God had commanded them to be slain in the Old Testament.
0: Well, that explains why you didn't cry out, have mercy on me, for you were one of the house of Israel. You deserved Jesus' blessings.
1: Oh, well, you know, I might have thought that at the time, but I would have been horribly wrong. In fact, I was horribly wrong. Well, what do you mean? Nobody deserves anything from God, except maybe God's punishment here and eternally. And I know that better than anyone, Gary. I suppose there was a time when I felt I deserved something from Jesus. Oh, after all, I was the faithful disciple who was willing to go to prison and die for him. But after I denied him three times, I found out the hard way. All I really could ask of Jesus was his mercy.
0: Well, you know, Peter, I've told you this before, but don't be too hard on yourself, for what you say is true of all of us. After all, the Bible says all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God.
1: You know what's interesting, Gary? In a sense, that woman and I were polar opposites. She was from a foreign land, an enemy of God. I was from the house of Israel, Jesus' chosen disciple. But we both had one thing in common.
0: What would a Canaanite woman and a chosen apostle have in common?
1: We we were both lost, Gary. I I was lost in the depths of the sea and in my own pride. She was lost in her pagan background and the despair of having a demon-possessed daughter.
0: But that's exactly for whom Jesus comes for. He comes for the lost.
1: Yes, the lost sheep of Israel and also the lost sheep of the entire world. As Jesus said, I have come to seek. And to save the lost.
0: And as he also told you later, go and make disciples of all nations. But Peter, I'm still wondering what does all of this have to do with great faith?
1: Uh, Don't you see? This is one of the key elements of great faith, to realize that we deserve nothing from God. And indeed, the more we become aware of that fact, the greater our faith will be. For the man of truly great faith understands All that he can expect from God is mercy, and mercy is what he will get.
0: Oh, okay, so great faith does not come because of great prayer, but just the opposite, because of great faith, we will have great prayer. And a key
1: component of that great faith is the belief we don't deserve anything. You see, that woman didn't trust in her prayer. Uh, She didn't trust in anything she might do. She knew the only thing that can be trusted is the mercy of God. But, but now that brings us to the second component of great faith.
0: And what is that second component?
1: Well, well, why would a Canaanite woman expect mercy from a Jewish Messiah? Why would she expect a blessing
0: from her enemy? You know, we might ask the same thing of ourselves. Why would sinners like us expect God to answer our prayers? And that's what we'll discuss
1: next week. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. To know we deserve nothing from God but wrath and punishment is where great faith begins. But there must be something else for that faith to become even greater. We will discuss that something else in our discussion next week. Oh, oh, and one last thing, Gary. So you're sure you can't use Bible opening skills at the U.S. Open in New York?
0: Nope, it's just for tennis players.
1: Huh, then I guess you couldn't have used them back there at the U.S. Open in June. Again, the Open
0: wasn't about opening books.
1: I wondered about that. You, you know, you think an opening a book championship would be in a library, not at the Torrey Pines Golf Course. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we're talking about a completely different kind of Open there. But uh, you can come back next week and, and we'll open up our Bibles and learn more about great faith. Does that sound good to you?
1: Ah, that sounds perfect. Until next week then, Gary.
0: Yes, we'll talk to you then. We're the messenger of good news. We are KFUO, AM 850 in the St. Louis region. You can find us worldwide at KFUO.org.